Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. This is the the day after Christmas episode. So <laughs> Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Had a great Christmas. Ah, oh, good. I bet you did. All right. Yeah. Great Christmas. Uh my my wife, me, my wife, and my son did the whole pajama thing. We had this tradition where we take these pictures, all of us in uniform pajamas. And this is dedicated to the memory of Alan Roger Curry. No one. You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please give us a like. Please subscribe and hit those notifications. And also, please drop a comment. Any comment will do. Uh, you can leave your favorite emoji. But all those things help sort of boost us in the algorithm and gets us in front of more men. Um, before I get too far along, I want to uh, recommend the Patreon. Join the Patreon today, patreon.com slash comeonmanpod. Uh, starting in January, there's only going to be three tiers available. Uh, the first tier is just to support the podcast, right? It's only 10 bucks a month. You get your name on the beer credits at the end of, of these, uh, episodes. Uh, the second tier, you get unlimited texting support for me over telegram. So, you know, if you're, you know, on a dating app, you, you want some advice on how to set up your profile, stuff like that. Just, you know, you can shoot me text messages. You can send me screenshots on telegram. You can send me voice messages. You can send me video messages and that's unlimited and it's only 50 bucks a month, right? It's probably the most cost of uh, effective, you know, sort of coaching program out there. Um, and then, you know, if you want to follow up video call with me once a month, uh, you know, we'll actually do a video call over Telegram as well. That's only, a, you know, an extra uh, 50 bucks on top of that. So a hundred bucks, you get the unlimited texting, voice messaging, uh, video messaging, and then you also get a, a, a follow-up call with me once a month and we can make sure that you are on track. It's like I said, it's one of the most cost-effective like coaching programs out there. So definitely jump on that. If you are listening on your favorite audio platform, please give us a five-star review. It helps more than you know. Um, here's a five-star review on Apple Podcasts from Corey JJ. It says, can we call it the Luke and Paul show? All these shows are informative, but my favorites are when Paul's friend from England, Luke, pops in. That guy and his pickup recommendations are hilarious. What's up with geese and granny all the time? LOL. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if Luke's ever going to come back on. We'll talk about that in an upcoming episode. But um, anyways, if you want me to give you a shout out on Apple Podcasts, uh, please leave a five-star review and I will read it in an upcoming episode. Um, make sure that you guys get on the email list. That's list.comeonmanpod.com. Um, you know, I got banned 
back in 2021 on TikTok, and it's been a struggle getting back to where I was. So I'm trying to get people to sign up to for an email list. So if that ever happens again, I can just email you guys say, Hey, I got banned on TikTok. Here's my new account or, you know, follow me on Instagram or, or whatever. Um, just sign up. I will send you, uh, these free stickers and, you know, postage is paid. You don't have to worry about it. Just get on the, the email list list.comeonmanpod.com. So this episode is quite possibly Alan Roger Curry's last interview. If you're not familiar with who Alan Roger Curry is, he's the author of mode one. He's the godfather of direct game and verbal seduction. And he's just an absolute legend in this business. He came up with uh, his mode one approach back in 1984, right? He's very well known in the manosphere. And um, the reason why uh, the, we got hooked up, and, I'll, and we'll talk about this in, the, in this episode, is um, I was doing a series of videos for Rolo Tomasi's latest book, The Player's Handbook. And one of Rolo's 49 Maxims of Game uh, talks about direct game and how uh, indirect is you know better than direct game and whatever. And I and I had agreed with Rolo in that video. And someone tagged Alan Roger Curry on Twitter, and Alan was like, "Dude, you got me all wrong here. You're basically misrepresenting Mode One." He was really pissed. <laughs> he was really pissed about it. And um, but the truth was, him calling me out wasn't wrong. You know, I hadn't read mode one. All I knew was what people had told me about it. And a lot of people had this idea that mode one is simply just walking up to chicks saying, hey, you want to fuck? And that's not the case. If you read mode one, it is about being direct, but you don't have to be so crude and vulgar. It's more about just being like sort of clear with your intentions with women, right? And one of the things that I've always told guys especially on dating apps is to, you know, cut the banter down so much and just say, Hey, when are you free to get together? Great. Meet me at this place at this time on this day. That directness is mode one behavior, um, which Alan talks about in his book. Um, some of the other stuff I talk about, I would categorize more as mode two behavior. And if you're like, you know, totally scratching your head right now, like what is Paul even talking about? Just keep listening everything will be made clear because we talk about, you know, basically the four quadrants of communication styles, right? And it's mode one, mode two, mode three, and mode four. And uh, we explain what all of those are and how, you know, some of them are, are effective, some of them aren't effective and why that is. We also talk about verbal seduction, why you talk into a woman's left ear when you're, when you're, uh, you know, whispering sweet nothings stuff like that. Um, also, so I told, I told Alan that this episode was going to post the, the day after Christmas. And so, you know, you have to understand that there's a space time continuum here. We recorded this at the beginning of November. Um, obviously, you know, he passed away at the end of November and he had no idea that that was going to happen. No one did. Uh, we're all surprised by that. But, uh, so, you know, when I open up with him, I'm like, Hey, how was your Christmas? And he plays along, you know, he says, Oh, my Christmas was great. We had the matching pajamas thing and stuff like that. So hopefully I'm, I'm really hoping that his wife finds this episode and, you know, it brings her a little bit of joy that he was thinking along those lines. Um, 
you know, uh, I told him that I'm not into the matching pajamas thing and I'm, I'm not, <laughs> but you know, he's a family man. Now I think, uh, Rolo Tomasi, uh, said that, you know, he recently got married, I think a couple years ago and just had a, a daughter. So, you know, he leaves a daughter and wife behind. Um, so I'm hoping that this episode does, does some justice. I hope people tune in and, and, you know, we really give the respect, uh, to him that he deserves and to his whole mode one philosophy. And I, you know, I hope that it helps carry on his legacy uh, in that regards. And I'll bring you that conversation right after these words. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, Hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What if I told you you can have anything you want? More money, a bigger house, hotter women. Would you believe me? If your answer is no, you need to ask yourself why you think that way. What's holding you back? I can tell you right now, it's a self-limiting belief that's holding you back. Your paradigm or the way you see the world is holding you back. What if I told you that I can teach you how to change your paradigm? I just finished my course on the practical law of attraction. You may have heard of the law of attraction, but have dismissed it as magical thinking or woo-woo nonsense. Well, it's not. The law of attraction is real, but it's not magic. At the end of the day, it comes down to your mindset. And my course will teach you how to reprogram your mindset so that you can achieve anything that you want in this world. And the first 50 people that use the coupon code in the description will get 15% off. If you want more out of this life, if you wanna achieve bigger goals, if you wanna achieve goals so big that they will blow your mind, then this is your sign. Sign up for my course at loa.comeonmanpod.com. That's L-O-A dot come on man pod dot com the law of attraction is nothing without action so what are you waiting for act now all right joining me this week is a man who self-published his first ebook in may 1999 and since then has gone on to write and self-publish five audiobooks five paperbacks and seven more ebooks his nickname in the worldwide manosphere is the godfather of direct verbal game advice and wisdom and his most popular book is titled Mode One, Let the Women Know What you, You're Really Thinking. I'm glad to have him on my podcast. And with that, I welcome author and dating coach, Alan Roger Curry. How are you doing today, sir? Thank you, Paul, for having me. Much appreciated. Yeah, man. I uh, I hope you had a Merry Christmas. This is the, the day after Christmas episode, so. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Had a great Christmas. Oh, good. I bet you did. All right. Yeah, great Christmas. Uh, my my wife, me, my wife, and my son did the whole pajama thing. We had this tradition where we take these pictures, all of us in uniform pajamas, and you, yeah, it was cool. It was you cool. Do the, you do the pajama thing. I I dated a gal one time that that was uh, that was her thing. Every year, she bought everybody pajamas. I hated yeah. it. I hated it. <laughs> you, say you hated it. I hate I'm it. Cool with it. It's a little bit corny to me, but for the most part, I, I, I flow with it. But yeah, that's my wife's thing. She, yeah, she loves doing that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, Alan, so we got we got in contact because of a tweet I put out in my 49 Maxims of Game Series based on Rolo Tomasi's latest book, The Player's Handbook. Mm-hmm. And in that book, Rolo mentions mode one and refers to it as direct approach. And in mm-hmm. um, the maxim in question uh, is uh, game maxim 13. Some girls will reject your direct game who would have eventually fucked you had you gone indirect. Now... Now, someone sent me the video you did on our tweet interaction. I just want to clear something up. I never said indirect works on all women. Okay. I asserted that it works on more women than direct does. However, I had a misconception uh, of what that meant until you called me out for talking about mode one without having read it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is nothing personal, but... I'll just quickly say over the years, I've had a lot of men and even some women too that have tried to offer critiques of my mode one approach philosophy without ever reading either the ebook, uh, paperback, or listening to the audiobook. And of course, to me, that, that makes them lose credibility. Now, if somebody has already read the book or listened to the audiobook and they have specific portions they want to, you know, intellectually challenged. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that at all. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I prefer that people read the book or listen to the audio book before they try to challenge it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. One thing I, I do want to say that I, it, anyone who says that something works on all women, like they're full of shit. Like they're, <laughs> they're selling you something. They're selling you something. And, you, and uh, we're, we're going to get into it. I have some questions about this, but I mean, you, you talk about this in mode one. There's like four types of women. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, okay. So I I had your book on my, my reading list for a long time. I hadn't gotten to it yet. Um, but I was told this is how I even I first heard about your book. Like I was told by several guys that, hey, you got to read this mode one book. It's it's a it's a cold approach book. It's it's basically you you walk up to women and you ask them if they want to bang, and I'm just like, how is that? How would that work? Like I don't see how that necessarily would work. Um, and the funny thing is, you actually mention at the end of mode one, near the end of mode one, that there's a lot of guys with that misconception that that's what mode one necessarily is about. And you say in that you say too that like you don't have to do the verbal seduction stuff. You, you can just be direct with women and say, Hey, look, I have no intentions of being your friend. Like that's being mode one too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, I actually, um, Oh, I, I was going to say, where, where do you think guys get that misconception that that's what mode one, the, your first book's about? Because of what we already talked about. <laughs> See, a lot of guys will hear about mode one from someone who didn't actually read the book or listen to the audio book. So number one, they're going on hearsay from someone who didn't thoroughly examine the book and they end up telling that person, yeah, man, this is going to Alan Roger Curry. He got a book where he says, you know, you go up to one and say, Hey, bitch, you want me to fuck you tonight? And yeah, man, that shit won't work. And uh, it's like, dude, um, so yeah, that's that's where it usually starts. Um, like there used to be this site before, sadly, the mass murdering uh incel Elliot Roger got it shut down called PUA Hate. Mm. 
where uh, I don't know if your listeners or viewers are familiar with that, but it was real popular for about four or five years. Because what happened, quick side note story, uh, a lot of guys were starting to get upset at conventional PUAs because they were guaranteeing guys that if they went pay for this Thursday through Sunday boot camp or listen to their CDs or DVDs, that they would be almost guaranteed to become an overnight ladies' man or overnight womanizer. And when that didn't happen, of course, these guys wanted their money back. Mm-hmm. And what would happen, in worst case scenario, a lot of PUAs didn't offer any refund, but most of them offer like a partial refund, anywhere from like 50 to 80% refund, but they still kept 20 to 50%. And that caused this this message board called PUA hate to form, where guys would come on there and complain about the money they spent on a PUA's boot camp, but it didn't really help them. And uh, my name inevitably ended up getting brought up on on the message board. Mm -hmm. And that's how I heard about it. So I would go there, you could say, defend myself. And that's what a lot of guys on that message board were doing. They were saying, oh, yeah, this Allen guy, he got this method called Mo One where you just go up to him and say, hey, you know, my name's Frank, and I want to put my dick in your ass. And uh, I was like, okay. But I do have three variations. Mm-hmm. As most of my longtime followers know, I have three variations of Mo One. Okay. I'll start with most explicit to least explicit. Most explicit is what I call Mo One Hardcore. I actually have an ebook. By the same title, Mo One Hardcore. Now, when you're being Mo One Hardcore, you do use profanity with women right off the bat. You use sexually explicit language right off the bat. But I would say the distinction from how some guys would portray it, like I was just giving examples, is that when I'm Mo One Hardcore, if I say so myself, I'm smooth with my shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't sound like just a, a a a dork with Asperger syndrome respect to autistic people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my stuff is very smooth. The volume of my voice is smooth. My, my body language, my facial expression is smooth. So I know how to get away with saying really triple X-rated stuff within the first 60 seconds, the first two, three minutes of the conversation without you know, it blowing up in my face. Mm. The next variation is what I simply call default mode one or uh, conventional mode one. That would be when you start off for say the first two or three minutes using very tame conventional language, mm-hmm. usually inviting a woman to share your company one-on-one. And then if she gives you what I like to call an opening, an opening, meaning like, let's say you, you would approach a woman and you say, so your name is Linda. Hey, Linda, I would love for you to share my company one-on-one this mm-hmm. upcoming Friday. What's your thoughts? And then she says, well, I do find you handsome. So I would consider. So that's an opening. Yeah. That's okay. an opening. And so from there, you escalate into being a bit more provocative and explicit and, you know, straight to the point, et cetera. So again, that's what I call conventional or default more one then the most tame of my three Mo One approach is what I call Mo 1.5. Mo 1.5. Okay. That's where you don't use any profanity. 
Language-wise, you don't use any profanity or any explicit language. And what you do also with Mo 1.5, you more so tell a woman what you're not interested in, what you alluded to just a little earlier in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Best example, Mo 1.5 is if you approach the same woman, you said, hey, Linda, you know, I find you attractive and sexy, but hey, I got to let you know up front, I don't do platonic friendships. And right now, I'm not really looking for like a boyfriend girlfriend relationship. So I wanted to let you know that up front. Mm. That's what 1.5. Got it. Okay. Do you think, um, do you think mode one hardcore is more effective if, I mean, because you talk about this a lot in the book too, uh, about not necessarily wanting to have any kind of like dating relationship? Like it's, do you think it, it works better for, for if you're, sole purpose is like is hookups like that you should go that oh yeah route. for sure matter of fact i say that i say that to people i think i want to say i say that in my book mo one hardcore and i've said on multiple videos mm-hmm. like mo one well first of all i want to say good question mo standard mo one and mo 1.5 could go either way you sure. can use that for either a woman you look at as a potential long-term girlfriend or a casual hookup Mm-hmm. Mo one our core is solely and specifically when you're just looking for a casual hookup. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I was really playing in my mind when I was listening to to Mode One because I I've never been I've never been a guy that's that's typically just looking for hookups. Like I I like dating. I like actually going on dates and stuff. And one of the things I was I was chuckling about listening to your book because you're like, look, man, I don't have, I don't have time for this. You know, I don't want to. You know, I respect my time. I I don't want to chit chat. <laughs> so I was I was laughing because I was like, man, like I don't mind the chit chat. You know, I don't mind it, but I, but to an extent. So one of the things that I was realizing is uh, the way I would usually ask women out. Um, and I, you know, since getting my going uh, through a divorce years and years ago, I, I've only ever met women on dating apps. And so on dating apps, I will banter for about. 10, 15 messages. And then I f- try to find a segue to set a definite date. I'm not trying to be her pen pal. I'm not trying to text for days on end, building rapport, all that shit. Cause I'm like, let's meet in person. Cause that's how we're going to, we're going to actually, you know, learn about each other. So I was, I've always been very direct that way where I'm just like, Hey, when are you free to get together? All right. Meet me at this place at this, you know, this time on this day. And um, so it, I'm very direct that way. So I looked at sort of like that's sort of a combination between mode two, right? Because mode two is sort of building rapport with conversation and stuff, right? It's not just getting to the point or is that? Yeah, mode two, yeah. That's when you engage in some degree of what I like to call flattering, entertaining, (laughs) and emotionally empathetic conversation with women. Right. And yeah, and so in the book, uh, I'm going to have to do this in post or something, put a put a grid up but in my mind this is i mean i think you actually talked about sitting down with a piece of paper and drawing it out too mm-hmm. but but it's like a it's like a quadrant right so yep. mode mm-hmm. one is uh it's it's like direct and it's uh it's a confident approach and then mode two is it's indirect but it's still confident right mm-hmm. is that yep. is, right yeah. and then Conf- that's exactly it's con- it's on the positive end, mode two is confident but yeah, it's very vague, ambiguous, and right. chatty. Yeah, yeah. And then 
And then mode three, which we'll get to, that's uh, it's weak and it's not confident. And then and then um, mode four, it's direct, but it's weak. Right. That, is that is that? Yeah. Right? Another way I would describe mode four is mode four. I call it like Harley called mode 40, the evil twin to mode one It's just as direct as mode one, but it's a lot more antagonistic, mean-spirited, mm-hmm. and egotistically insecure compared to Mo One. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I, when I was listening to uh, your explanation of, of Mode 4, I immediately started thinking like Black Pillars, MGTOW guys, you know, the Doomers, you know, the guys that are like, oh, women ain't worth it. It's not, the juice isn't worth the squeeze type guys. Um you know, exactly. I, I, yep. I, there's a lot, there's a lot of pills out there. Right. And I think you, you recently did a video on like red pill, the differences between red pill, purple pill, black pill and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What's your take on, on the, all the damn pills that are out these days? Well, the biggest thing that frustrates me a bit, and I said this on the video, there's a lot of guys in, in, in the manosphere and more specifically uh, on YouTube that will call themselves red pill mm-hmm. that will call themselves red pill but when you actually listen to their commentary it's either black pill which you already described almost perfectly mm-hmm. it's either, they're really either black pillars but they're referring to themselves as red pill which to me gives red pill guys a bad name mm-hmm. Or in some cases, they're purple pill, but they prefer to refer to themselves as red pill. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm 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 irritated by both of those groups of guys because, yeah, like like you already said, black pill is guys that just almost have a high. They have a high degree of bitterness and resentment towards women. Yeah. They, they basically don't like once they find out about women's what's known as women's true nature mm-hmm. they don't like it yeah and they become pissed off about it and so you know that's your black pillars now there's some black pillars who own up to being black pillars mm-hmm. sadly i just watched a video on the side note just last week of a young black guy who would always hashtag his video black pill and he killed himself that's awful. That's awful. Yeah, yeah it, it, it just really sad me. But so, and then purple pill is it'll be a good example. Purple pill guys, some some conventional PUAs. There's a lot of guys who will say, "I understand women's true nature." Well, if you truly understand women's true nature, you know that women are just as down engaged in casual sex as men are. Mm-hmm. That, that's actually at least one third of the reason why I wrote my first book, Mo One, was to point that out. Mm-hmm. That there are a lot of women in society who are down to engage in casual sex, but they're not going to necessarily let you know that from the time they first meet you, and unless you got really verbal, good verbal seduction skills, which relates to my book, Who Said Again. And so, if you're, say, a conventional PUA and you know that women are down for casual sex, but everything about your behavior is about treating them like girlfriend material, which is what's commonly known among people and particularly women as a, a fuck boy. Mm-hmm. That's purple pill. 
But again, you got a lot of purple pillars who will get on videos and refer to themselves as Ray Peel. And I, I don't, honestly, I don't like that. Mm. I, uh, to be honest, I, I used to sort of think that I was purple pill and that was before it was, it was the same situation, right? Where I, I heard, you know, people describe, Oh, this is what red pill is. It's like a bunch of guys that hate women. And, uh, and so that's why I, I had this concept until I actually read some books in the red pill space, you know, like rational mail, the, the, the first rational mail actually talked to Rolo had a bunch of like the rule zero guys on the, on the podcast. And Mm -hmm. they sort of schooled me on like, Hey, no, man, that's not, that's not what real red pill is. Like red pill is not necessarily about hating women. It's about, you know, understanding how women are. And that's just, that's all it is. It's praxeology. It's observable behavior that women do. And that's it. Take with what you want. You can actually use some of this shit to your advantage and have great relationships. (laughs) And once I realized that I was like, Oh, geez. I had yeah, this way, I mean, way wrong. You know, I, I think everybody knows I have some philosophical differences with Rolo. Yeah. But on that point, that's one thing. Again, for overly simplistic purposes, that's how I would define the different four pills. Yeah. Blue pill, you have no understanding of women's true nature. Mm-hmm. Red pill, you have a thorough understanding of women's true nature. And you, you accept it objectively. Mm-hmm. You understand the nature and you accept it. That's the more important thing. You accept it objectively. Black pill, once you understand women's true nature, you don't like women anymore. You think they're all bitches and sluts. Yeah. And then purple pill, you understand women's true nature. But again, your behavior is such that you're treating women like you don't understand their true nature. Yeah. Yeah. You're still sort of believing in the fairy tale and... <laughs> putting them on pedestals and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so speaking of speaking of Rolo, um, I hear you have a, a critical review of, of his newest book. I, so are you guys beefing at all? You guys have a beef? Because Rolo has a beef with a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's what I would say, because yeah. a lot of people have asked me. I always on my channel, YouTube channel, distinguish between philosophical differences versus personal beef. Okay. Personal beef is if you've taken express like personal insults against me as just a man and against my character and integrity, you know, then I'm going to come at you full force back. Um, Me and Rolos is not on that level. I've never on a personal level insulted him. And as far as I know, he's never on a personal level insulted me. Now, on a philosophical level, Mm -hmm. yes, we, we have... The biggest thing, without getting too lengthy, now, I, I liked his first book, you know, Rational Male. I didn't read the religion book or the positive masculinity book, but I like mm-hmm. most of uh, the Rational Male. But, see, I have a, a pedantic, pedantic, for some of your listeners, if you're not familiar, that, that means you're meticulous about how certain terms and, and words are defined and described. I'm a really kind of pedantic pet peeve with people who misuse the term player. See, where I come from, I was raised, a player is a guy who usually has two or more lovers that he's having sex with in a non-monogamous manner, 
and all his lovers know he's a non-monogamous guy. He makes it up front, basically, Mo one. He makes it up front that he's not going to ever be strictly monogamous to his lovers. Okay. So, so they, they know that about him before they have sex, and they're cool with it. That's a, what I call a true player. Whereas if you read Rollo's book, he tries to suggest that even a guy who doesn't make it clear to women that he only wants non-monogamous sex is also a player. Like simply any guy who gets an above average amount of pussy is a player. I disagree with that. I vehemently disagree with that. So that's that's philosophical di- major philosophical difference number one, and number two has to do with direct versus indirect. Yeah. See, a lot of conventional PUAs and some dating coaches, they think Mo two is being direct. Mm-hmm. But as you know from listening to my book, I categorize Mo two and Mo three as indirect. Right. Um, but yeah, Rolo, he basically, that's why he brought my name up in the book. Because he was basically saying, if you, li-, I'm paraphrasing his words, but essentially what he says in the book, if you listen to Alan Roger Curry, you will think that only his version of direct, meaning Mo one, is the only form of direct. But he says, no, there's other ways to be direct. And he basically goes on to describe Mo two. Mm. But that's not direct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, so, speaking of mode two, though, I wanted to talk to you about this. So, I first got into this. Like one of the first books I got, uh, I got, I read to get into the space was a book by Corey Wayne. Are you familiar with Corey Wayne? No, I'm familiar with Three Percent Man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I read, I read How to Be a Three Percent Man, and one of the things that he talks about in that book is how it's been scientifically proven that women are more attracted to men whose feelings are unclear, and if you Google that, there's there's actually you know a, a study on it that's you know published in some psychological journal, and um, and so I've always sort of liked to practice, you know, where you know if a woman asks me, hey, you know, are, are you seeing a bunch of girls right now and stuff like that? Um, not I, I've always been sort of indirect with that. I would say, mm-hmm. well, you know, I always have room for one more. And, you know, just not actually answer the question, but let their hamster wheel sort of work to be mm-hmm. that, you know, mystery, not, you know, type care, not mystery, the, the pickup artist, but a, <laughs> a, a mystery, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, I know what you mean. enigmatic. Yeah. But, but that, I mean, that's mode two though, right? Yeah, and, it is actually. Yeah, that's, um, that's mode two. Yeah, and you, again, you, the difference between yeah. mode two and mode three, mode three is the word. That's when you just flat out lying to a woman. You're giving right. a woman depression. You want to be her next long-term boyfriend or even her future fiance and husband mm-hmm. when you know deep down you just want casual sex. That's mode three. Yeah. Again, that's that's what's generally known as a fuck boy. Yeah, yeah. Mode two, on the positive end, you don't go as far as to just blatantly lie to a woman and give her, you know, the impression that you want to be her next long-term boyfriend. But at the same time, you don't make it clear that all you want is non-monogamous sex either. You just Leave things very vague and ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you you do not recommend that. You well, here's the, the problem I have with it. I'll say this in respect to getting late, and I have to, I have to point this out on a recent video of mine. Yeah. Somebody threw a straw man argument at me. I've never said that you can't get laid being mold too. So I want to make that clear. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes no, it, I'm it, saying it, you can't get laid, but oh, you can get laid being mold too. Yeah. Here's the problem. 
If you're running across a woman who's what I refer to as a manipulative time waster, yeah, yeah, you're gonna get played BMO too. Yeah, you you absolutely can, um, unless you're really good at spotting the time wasters. Uh, so one of one of the things I've always done too is I basically will give chicks like three dates. You know, so I'll yeah, go on. Yeah, I, I, I do the I do the. That's pretty standard. <laughs> that's industry standard, right? Yeah, I I will give chicks about three dates, and if um, like on the first date, oh, th- this is another thing too. So one thing that I do also is um, y- you talk a lot about the book about how you know you should uh, be direct verbally, but one thing that I I like to do and I learned worked very well was being very direct physically. So like oh 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 so like. So so on a first date, what I mean is like I'll okay. I'll go for a kiss, right? I I won't say anything. I'll just I'll go for a kiss, and a lot of chicks respond very well to that. Um, so I think like that's that's pretty direct. I don't know if a lot a lot of guys are pretty scared to do something like that, but uh, you don't you say no. Okay, I see you shaking your head. Okay, why? Well, yeah, okay, like, here's why I have a problem with that. I did a whole video on this. If you go to my archives, and okay. I ended up bringing up Rolo okay. because of his book because he talks about that. See, here's my argument there. Yeah, yeah. What I said in a video on my YouTube channel, there's no such thing as being non-verbally or physically direct. You could be physically bold. Okay. Such as what you just described. You can be physically bold, physically assertive, physically aggressive, but you cannot be physically direct. See, him, and this is, again, this is one of the reasons why I have a problem with Rolo's latest book. Yeah. If you talk to anybody who's considered an expert in the area of interpersonal communications, they'll tell you, the meaning of direct means everything about your desires and interests is specifically clarified. Mm. That's what it means to be direct. Everything about your desires and interests and intentions is specific. In other words, you're making it specifically clear to a woman whether you want short-term sex or long-term sex or okay. monogamous sex versus non-monogamous sex or sex that involves emotions or sex that doesn't involve emotions. How can you do that non-verbally or physically? You can't. Like okay. Just because you're aggressively kissing a woman, she, won't, she doesn't know if you want short-term versus long-term or monogamous versus non-monogamous or emotion-driven sex versus sex without emotions just because you kissed her i see she what you're saying yeah shit. yeah i see what you're saying okay D- difference is bold and and direct is is you can only be direct verbally yeah that's Make- my video you can only be direct verbally again you can be physically bold assertive aggressive but you cannot be physically or non-verbally direct got it okay no that actually makes a lot of sense so Okay, so then let me just say then I would be physically bold and mm-hmm. I would I would kiss her on the first date if mm-hmm. and that was sort of like my ultimate test of interest on a first date. Um I was never really trying to get laid on a first date. It happened, but it was never my my intention, my goal. So I go in for a kiss, see how she responded to that. If she was like, "Oh, you know, move back or whatever," I would be like, "Oh, okay. She's not interested." And then I just wouldn't call her again, but if she was, if she responded well to the kiss, you know, passionately kissed me back or whatever, I would go for a second date. On the second date, I'd try to escalate, you know, 
and usually that would work out fine uh because a lot of chicks are are it's, it's almost a done deal on the second date and if not the second date third date but if they're not doing it by the third date they're just they're they're a time waster and now it's time to cut your losses but i think one thing i really liked about mode one is if i mean it sort of cuts out all that bullshit <laughs> right like if you're exactly. you really don't want to spend you know three weeks trying to get a chick in in bed it's just like hey look this is what i'm about you know and one thing I, I really liked though about about Ooh, Say It Again was uh so I mean so in both books you talk about the four types of women. Um technically and, five, but we can say four. Right. Well that that was confusing to me because it, it was like four four was easy for me to remember. You know, there was mm-hmm. the, the reciprocators, there was the rejectors, there was the wholesome pretenders, and there was the time wasters. Like that's pretty easy to remember. But then when the, well, the, the one other but the one other I include is it's kind of similar to wholesome pretender. So mm-hmm. I don't mind people not separating the two, yeah. but it's wholesome pretenders and erotic hypocrites. Erotic, erotic hypocrites. hypocrites. That's yes. right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. That's basically what I like to say is a more pretentious, uh, antagonistic slash argumentative mm-hmm. and materialistic version of a wholesome pretender. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, and then, and, and then, uh, without giving, trying to give too much away, because like, the guys really need to read these books. They're really great. The but, but in Usaid again, you break it down. You basically are like, look, you're never going to seduce a a reciprocator because they're down anyway, and then you're never going to seduce a, re- a rejector because they're just not interested. So, really. You're dealing with, and, and then the time wasters, they're, they're just wasting your time. So you're really only seducing the wholesome pretender types. Can, can you yeah, go? Yeah, wholesome pretenders and erotic hypocrites. Yeah. Out of my five archetypes, that's only two you that really warrant seduction. Yeah. Because what they're basically, without getting lengthy, wholesome pretenders and erotic hypocrites are women who are what's known as sexually duplicitous. Sexually duplicitous. Somebody mm-hmm. might be listening or watching and saying, okay, I'm young, I'm 1890, I don't know what that word means. In simple terms, a sexually duplicitous woman is basically, let's put women into three categories. There's some women that are not down for any type of short-term or non-monogamous sex at all. Mm-hmm. They just don't believe in it. That's what most men refer to as a good girl, the proverbial good girl. That's that's woman, wife, that's wifey material. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then on the exact opposite end, there's some women who are pretty much game to indulge in casual sex with pretty much any man that they find reasonably attractive. Mm-hmm. That's what most men honestly call a slut or a hoe, is quick to jump in bed. Then you have the women that are, the, to me, the vast majority of women are the women that are in the middle. Women oh, yeah. who mostly prefer only boyfriend-girlfriend sex, some type of relationship sex. But they'll semi-regularly or occasionally dabble in casual sex. That's the women in that middle category is what's known as a sexually duplicitous woman. Mm-hmm. And those are the women you have to verbally seduce those women to get them to have casual sex with you. You have to. Yeah. They're not going to just freely say, I'm down to give you some casual sex pussy. They're, they're never going to do that. You have to persuade them and seduce them. Yeah. 
Yeah. One one thing I, I loved in your book too was um, how you're you're like how you're able to identify those women. Like you give several examples. Like some of it was body language, how you would uh, get into their three foot zone and see how they're you know if they would come closer to you or if they would just let you get in that or you know if you could get into the the left ear zone, which I want to talk about. Uh, but also you said that if they were giving like lengthy, you know, just, you know, uh, rejections or calling you out and calling you, uh, oh, you're nasty and all this stuff like that, but they're not just straight up saying, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you about this anymore and walk it away. They're still there talking to you. You're like, they're a wholesome pretender. And I was like, that's, exactly. that's genius. That's genius right there, mm-hmm. man. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. how? How, uh, one thing too you say is uh, you would rather have a straight up rejector, right? Like because someone because mm-hmm. they're not wasting your time, right? Than mm-hmm. uh, someone that's uh, wasting your time. Um, mm-hmm. Do you? But do you? What do you prefer? Do you prefer you know seducing the wholesome pretender type, or do you prefer the reciprocators, like ones that are just like, all right, oh, yeah, let's. Do I, it. I definitely my followers know the answer to that. I definitely would say I love seducing the wholesome pretenders and erotic hypocrites more than a reciprocate because and you can say a lot of it is an ego thing yeah but i love well now i'm married so it kind of don't matter but before i got married there's something i talked about on a couple videos called what i call the contrast effect contrast effect what's the contrast effect okay contrast effect is when you meet a woman that's kind of presenting herself as more or less approved or if not a, even worse than approved, just a straight up bitch. Mm. And because of your understanding of women's sexual duplicity and combined with your verbal seduction skills, you're able to break that woman down and get her to suck your dick. Man, I love seeing a woman suck my dick, knowing that just a half hour, hour earlier, she was acting like a prudish bitch. That's known as the contrast effect, man. I love that shit, man. I, yeah, it almost became like an addiction. No lie, man. I was like an addiction for me when I, like, particularly when I was in my twenties and thirties. I even say my forties. Yeah. Um, shit, I say even the first half of my fifties. But yeah, man, I was an addiction, man. It was. I need mean, but good example since you own who said again. Yeah. Definitely, ver- the, what happened in verbal seduction story number one. Yo, that that story that story is crazy. <laughs> that was what really solidified my belief in my one, actually. Okay. I don't want to get too lengthy and too detailed, but if you read that story and listen to the audiobook, that was actually that was in August of 1984. That's when you I made the official switch from being mm-hmm. mode two with women to being more mo one. Uh if I had one or two other stories, I I have six. As you know, but your list of view might not know. And who said again, I have six verbal seduction stories. Mm-hmm. I would say at minimum two of them and at minimum maximum three of them involve women who were kind of like either uh, overly approved mm-hmm. or just basically a bitch. Yeah. Verbal seduction story number one to a lesser extent, verbal seduction story number two, verbal seduction story number five over the phone. She was she was a major prude. Mm, that one that, was a major. Prude. That was a funny story. I was laughing at that one. That was <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in, in uh, verbal seduction story number one, uh, one of the things that was striking to me was that uh, you you in you actually slipped into mode four 
at one point because you got you were pissed. Oh at yeah, me. I did. Yeah, that's yeah. funny you mentioned that. Yeah, if there's one of those six stories where I covered at least three of my four modes, verse that story number one, I, for the first, I'd say roughly hour, hour and 15 minutes of that triple date. I was on a triple date with two close friends. Mm-hmm. I was mode two. Then at about the one hour and 15 minute mark or so, I, I went outside because I was. she was pissing me off. She was talking down to me and, you know. Yeah. And so then if only for a minute or so I went into mode four, the main mode four thing I did was when I told her she was kind of taunting me. And I said, bitch, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And at that time, I never thought definitely not a woman I just met, and really in general, I had never talked to a woman like that yeah. before. I was, you know, I was kind of this kind of classic nice guy, gentlemanly type back then. So that was kind of out of my character to say that to one. But yeah, at one point I said, bitch, shut the fuck up. And then from there, I transitioned into being more one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that story was nuts, man. I, I was, because I, I listened to everything on audio too. So if you guys listen to this book, when he starts getting to the verbal seduction stories, man, you get ready. It's basically like, some of it's like listening to porn, you know? <laughs> I and heard it, that. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck am I listening to? But it was, it was it's a great book though. Don't, don't, don't let that dissuade you. Um, uh, one thing that I really wanted to, to, to talk to you about though, was, uh, you talked about this in, in your first book mode one, but you really get into depth in this and say it again, but, but the, the left ear zone and talking to a woman's left ear and what really like, when I heard you start talking about that, I was like, get what the fuck? Cause I heard years ago, I think I read, I first read it in like in one of David Data's book, but he talks about looking into a woman's left eye and how if you make eye contact with a woman's left eye, that it's almost like mesmerizing to them, right? Like they just feel this strong connection with you and, you know, and a lot of it's because that's the emotional eye or whatever. So when you said left ear, I was like, I bet you this has something to fucking do with the the, the left eye thing, and and then you you ex, you explain why that works. Can you tell people why talking to a woman's left ear works? Yeah, I'll go ahead and, and, and give that portion of my book out for your listeners' view. Basically, in simple terms, each of our ears. And now that you mentioned it could apply to the eyes, I didn't know that if it does, but it could. Try it out. Definitely (laughs) with the ears, each of your ears is connected to the opposite side of your brain. So your left ear is connected to your right side of your brain. Your right ear is connected to the left side of your brain. And if you know anything about how the brain functions in simple terms, your left brain is your more ethical side of your brain, more legalistic side of your brain. It looks at things from the standpoint of right versus wrong. Is this legal versus illegal? Is this ethical versus unethical? And it's designed to actually try to protect you from making stupid choices and mistakes. So that's how your left brain, which again is connected to your, is very logical. Mm -hmm. So it's connected to your right ear. Whereas your left ear, the right brain is known for being spontaneous, emotion-driven, ego-driven, 
creative, uninhibited, willing to take risk, etc. Mm. So let's put it in these terms. Let's say for a woman, for a woman, her right brain, you could say it's her naughty girl side. Mm-hmm. Or at least at minimum, her potential. If she's never been a naughty girl before, her potential naughty girl side. The the her left side of her brain is her prudish good girl side. So you don't want to be talking to her in her right ear, because that's gonna be connected to her left, and she's gonna be thinking, oh, that's not to my advantage to you know have casual sex with this guy. He's mm-hmm. gonna slut shame me. It's, you know, my social reputation is gonna be ruined. I shouldn't do that. Whereas if you talk to a woman on the left ear, this side of brain goes, hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds appealing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so when you were explaining that, I was like, yeah. I mean, that's it's essentially the the same concept. The the left eye is connected to the right brain. So, um, that's I was like, wow. This is uh, I've never heard anyone talk about that except for uh, other than uh, I, I think it, I swear it was David Data that that said that thing about the eye. So it made a, to me it made a lot of sense to uh, what you were saying about the left ear thing. And then one thing that I realized is that on my couch, when I'm sitting there watching TV with my girlfriend, she sits on my left side. So she's seducing me, man. Can you believe that? <laughs> Here I am thinking I'm being smooth. Uh-uh, she knows what she's doing. She <laughs> <laughs> So I saw, I saw where you recently completed... A feature film screenplay titled Nonverbal Consent. Without giving too much, uh, too many details of your story, what's the general premise of that? Well, uh, um, it's funny. We were earlier, of course, we were talking about direct verbal game versus indirect verbal game. A lot of guys who are against direct verbal game, which is Mo One, mm-hmm. they're like, you hear conventional PUAs talk about this thing, sub-communication, sub-communication. Mm-hmm. And that means you just take time to read about a woman's body language and you make physical and sexual moves on a woman based on how she responds to you non-verbally. Mm-hmm. So for an easy example is if you if you invite a woman over your place, you guys are watching Netflix movies, sipping on wine, and you start kissing on her and unbuttoning her blouse, and then eventually you lift up her skirt or dress and take down her panties. And she doesn't stop you. Mm-hmm. She doesn't stop you. That's considered nonverbal consent. The problem is this. In the 60s, 70s, and for the first two-thirds, three-fourths of the 80s, that was fine. No problem. But then what happened around 1990, somewhere between 1990 and 1992, is when date rape became a thing. Before that, for young guys, they might not know that before that, it was just about rape. Nobody mm-hmm. used to talk about date rape until about at earliest, maybe 88, 89, and definitely into the early to midnight. That's when you started hearing about date rape. Mm-hmm. And anyway, without getting too detailed, now on top of that, you got the Me Too movement. A lot of Me Too movement accusations and allegations come uh, arise because of men operating on nonverbal consent. Mm-hmm. So people who follow me know I always say as much as possible, you should always try to get ver- verbal consent, of course, would be if you were talking dirty to a woman and she said, oh, you got my pussy so wet. I want you to fuck. Yeah. Um, 
that's my strong preference is yeah. always to receive verbal consent from a woman. So, so you're, you're, not, movie, you're not you're not advocating for saying, hey, may I please have sex with you? Because that's, no, that's, that's going to dry a woman's asking. pussy up, man. That's going to dry it yeah, up. I, don't believe, <laughs> I, I, said that all I don't believe it's asking a woman yeah. for permission to have sex with her. I just believe you, you let a woman know you want to fuck her and you wait for her to either respond affirmatively or negatively. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. One one thing I will say about that though is, man, I put out I put out a lot of like short short form content, a lot of TikToks and stuff, and there are guys that are like deathly afraid of Me Too accusations, you know, erroneous rape allegations and stuff like that. But and maybe it's just because I'm an older guy and it's a generational thing. But I've never actually experienced that. I've never experience something to that effect. And if I was going in, you know, making a move on a woman and she was like, uh, no, like we're not doing that. Then I'm like, okay, cool. You know, back off. So it's like, I just, I just never dealt with that. But a lot of guys are just deathly afraid with that. Do you, I mean, do you think that guys are too scared of it? Like, is there, or do you think that they should be scared of it? I don't, I don't know. I think guys worry about it more than it actually happens, but that's just, an opinion of mine. Yeah, I would say in most cases, man, worry about more than it happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. I was curious about that. Yeah, because um, and that's another thing too is like some guys also think that they oh no I I need to have a, a an actual written contact uh, contract signed uh, signed in triplicate and you know take it down to the to the get it notarized before she'll ha I'll, I'll have sex with her so that she doesn't do this. I'm like, man, you are overthinking this, you know? Well, I will say in defensive contracts though. Yeah. I don't know how familiar you are with what's known as the BDSM lifestyle, which I've been involved in off and on for a number of years. Uh-huh. Um, that's par for the course in the BDSM lifestyle. Yeah. Men and women do actually use contracts to prevent, you know, drama from happening later on, particularly on the male side. Yeah. You like you don't want to see here's the thing. Like if you're in a BDSM lifestyle, a lot of women you might be in a BDSM relationship with, they like you verbally abusing them, verbally disrespecting them, talking mm -hmm. to them like they're a piece of shit. That's what's known as a masochist. Yeah. If a woman gets turned on by that, that means she's a masochist. Now let's say you're in a BDSM relationship with a masochist. And then, I don't know, somehow y'all fall out a year later. And then she tries to accuse you of inappropriate behavior. She says, yeah, this is, he used to call me a no good bitch. And you, you can say, hey, no, nah, we signed a contract. She said she was open to me verbally abusing her, verbally disrespecting her, because she said she's a masochist. She signed it right here. Mm. So in the BDSM world, contracts are a way of protecting yourself. Now, for the average guy... I would probably say, yeah, you don't really need to do that. Although, I remember when Dave Chappelle had his show years ago in Comedy Central. That was one of his skits. He did a skit saying that he called it the love contract. He said, nowadays, things have gotten so testy with women that you got to have a woman sign a contract before you just have even a one-night stand with her to make sure she, you know, basically that she doesn't try to accuse you like date rape or something similar later on. Yeah. Does that, does that hold up in court? Do you know? It, I would say uh, it uh, depends on the judge. Depends mm. on the judge. Whether, yeah, whether they'll treat it with seriousness or... Um, oh, here's where it definitely 
it, like if you say you're in a BDSM relationship and you do a contract with your partner yeah. and you have it signed by what's known as a what do you call it? notary? Notary, yeah. Notary public? Oh yeah, it, it carries more weight. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be legally binding then, I would I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah, this, this conversation reminds me of um man, a video came out a couple months ago of uh Tristan Tate. You know the Tates, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody knows the Tates. That Tristan Tate was like whipping some girl in in the bedroom with a belt or something. And um man, this this one female content creator sent me that. And she's like, "Do you still do you still support Andrew Tate with with, you know, and his brother with videos like this?" I go, "Man, I have no idea what happened in that bedroom. I don't know what what kind of shit they're into. I can't make a judgment. I'm not there. I wasn't there." <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. crazy stuff like that. I wonder if they have a contract. Um, let me ask you one more question and then mm-hmm. I'll I'll let you have your evening back. Okay. So uh when when we first started listening to the to mode one, my, my girlfriend and I were listening to it. Um mm-hmm. we I still had the the preconception of, you know, oh, this is just you know walking up to chicks and banging and stuff like that. So I hadn't gotten through the full thing yet. One of your mm-hmm. first examples is of uh going up to a gal in the grocery store and she ended up like sucking your dick like right there uh mm-hmm. yeah literally in the store <laughs> so, so w- one thing that my my girlfriend like a question that came to her mind was you know i wonder if this if this predominantly works more on on like black women you know and so i i'm curious does do you think do you think black women respond to it better than like white women asian women or whatever or do, it doesn't works work? on all women all women oh, okay casually and my long time followers notice I've been with at minimum at least two or three women of pretty much every race on earth. Mm-hmm. Now my long-term relationships have been almost exclusively black women. Mm-hmm. Although I've had some one or two long-term uh casual relationships with uh non-black women, but yeah, it works on all women. But I get that. That's, that's a great question because here's what's funny. There was a woman. I ain't gonna say her name. She's on YouTube though. Um she knows who she is. She's not watching. She knows who I, she I, is, yeah. I guarantee she's not watching. <laughs> it wasn't so much her, but it was a couple of her followers in the chat room where it mm-hmm. kind of got into this debate. And it's interesting. Each one of them was saying the opposite. Like one of her black male followers was saying. Uh, in my opinion, I bet Mo One only works on white women. I can't see this working on black women. And then the Caucasian guy said just the opposite. He said, uh, I don't believe Alan Roger Curry's Mo One works on Caucasian women. I can only see this working on black women. They got into like this debate. And then I chimed in and said, it works on both. <laughs> Trust me, it works on both. Yeah. Yeah, I think one, one thing... Um that I think guys really should take away from this. If if they have any kind of misconception about it is like, don't, don't just take Alan's word for it. Like try it. You know, <laughs> that's one thing. That's one thing I say with pretty much anything, you know, it's like, well, have you tried it yet? Cause how do you know it doesn't work if you haven't tried it yet? And that's one of the things that I was really uh, trying to have the mindset of going through listening to the book was like, well, fuck dude, you haven't tried this. How do you know it doesn't, it, it won't work. Like, it sounds to me like it probably, it probably would work like highly likely. And I, and I have noticed that women do respond to directness very well. 
Paul, I'm glad we're closing out on this note because what you're saying, oh my God, is such a, a, a understatement for me because I give a guy a pass if he said if a guy says, "Hey, I was more one with 50 women over the last two years," and I'm sorry, it just doesn't mesh with my personality. I don't have no criticism for that guy. Mm-hmm. He, nothing else, at least he, he gave Mo one a try, but he feels like it just doesn't work for him. It's not beneficial for him. Yeah. But as you just talked about, there was, man, there have been so many guys in, in both in the ministry and even outside of the ministry that have criticized my Mo one approach. They haven't even tried it on one woman. They haven't even tried it on one woman. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, I, the stuff I talk about in my like TikToks and stuff like that, I get guys saying that too. Like, oh, it does, oh, that that wouldn't work. Like, have you fucking tried it? Because like I've tried it, it works. It works great. It works great for me. You know, maybe it won't work for you. Maybe you got to find something that does work for you. Maybe mode one would work for you better. You know, I don't know, but at least fucking try it before shitting all over it. You know. There you go. Exactly. So, um, man, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate having you on. Where where can people find you online, Alan? They can find me at direct approach dating as one word, direct approach dating.com. That's my main website. Kind of a secondary website I have is mode one M O D E O N E dot net. Mode one, but half the links on mode one.net leads you to direct approach dating.com. And then my books, ebooks. Um, and paperbacks are on Amazon.com, Amazon.com. And then I have audio books on Audible, which is a, the audio book division of Amazon on Audible.com. And speaking of that, the first five guys who watch this, listen to this interview, who write me at coaching at mo1.net, coaching at mo1.net. I will send you a free complimentary copy. Uh, really, I think I will be able to send one of any of my audio books, but particularly no free attention. I got a whole bunch of like what's called complimentary promo codes from Audible that they give me. And so that's the one I have the most complimentary copies of is no free attention. But I think I got at least two or three complimentary copies of my remaining four or two. So if if you write me, you'll be able to get one. All right. I'll put links to these all in the description. I'll put your your email address in there as well. So if you guys if you guys are driving or something like that and you hear this, uh just stop your car. <laughs> look at the description. You'll find his email address in there and shoot him an email and he'll get you those those uh those promo codes. Alan, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a, a happy new year. Thank you. Same to you, Paul. I really appreciate this uh interview. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Alan, if you are hearing this right now, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Uh, A young up and comer, uh, just trying to learn this stuff. You know what I mean? So uh, I appreciate when you called me out on Twitter. Um, That caused me to sort of bump your book up on my list. You know, it was always on my list. I just, my list is, my book list is so absurdly long that uh, I wouldn't have gotten to it uh, when I did. And I'm glad I did because I got to talk to you before you left us all. So thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Um, 
Alan's uh, family, uh, my condolences, you know, um, Alan was a great dude. Uh, for the small amount of time that I got to converse with him. I, I just thought he was, he was great. So I hope this episode does him justice. I hope that it carries on his legacy um, or helps to carry on his legacy, you know, just that much longer. All right, guys. Um, I've already uh, pitched uh, the, the Patreon and my email list at the beginning. I'm not going to do that again. I think, you know, we should just take a, a minute to remember Alan Roger Curry and the information that he's given us. With that being said, I guess we'll catch you guys next year. Happy New Year's. Stay safe out there. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.